Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. Today we're going to think about physical intimacy through the use of touch and sex. So what's the first thing that goes through your mind when you hear the word physical intimacy? You might be thinking that that's synonymous with sex. Hmm, how does that make you feel emotionally and physically to hear about someone talking about sex? Maybe this feels a bit cringeworthy. Maybe thinking, oh, not really, that's not really the kind of thing I want to think about when I'm listening to my podcast. Well, today we're going to dive into chapter 20 of my book, The Lasting Connection, which is called Turning Up the Heat, Connecting Physically Through Intimacy and Touch. And when I wrote this chapter, I had to really think about my own cringing around the subject of sex. There's so much taboo and stigma and shame around sex in our own society that I had to come close with my own demons around that. So we'll be talking about sex in this episode today. But I want to start with thinking about how physical intimacy is more than just sex. It's important to emphasize that a lot of the physical closeness between partners is not actually sexual in nature. Holding hands, cuddling up, stroking a cheek, those non-sexual touches are really key to your social joy and emotional connection too. In the everyday hustle and bustle of life, it's really easy to forget that it's important to hold each other close, to hug, to kiss, especially if you also have children. You might feel that actually you give a lot of physical touch and closeness to your kids, but then forget about your partner. Try to make space for these little acts of affection. So drawing clothes for a snuggle, for instance, that can deepen your moments together, bringing more magic to the mundane. That does not mean that you have to go into something sexual. Why is physical closeness then important in romantic relationships? While we know that oxytocin or the love hormone or the cuddle hormone can soothe and calm you and your partner when you're physically close. And that hormone is released in a long hug rather than a quick brush against each other. So some places say about eight seconds, etc. Obviously, if you've experienced something difficult in the past, even like abuse or sexual trauma, getting close to someone may not feel soothing and safe for you. So in those cases, then do explore that with a therapist or someone else who can help you heal and repair and process past hurts so that you can be more vulnerable and close with your partner in the present. If you never touch each other, it's actually really difficult to spark any desire and passion as well. So I want to think about some of the myths around physical intimacy and desire. In this chapter, I've relied on a really, really good book based on sex science and myths around sex and intimacy by Dr. Karen Gurney, and the book is called Mind the Gap. 
So she is a psychologist and psychosexologist. And I want to address some of the myths that she has talked about in her book as well. And that's really important because we put so much pressure on our sex lives to be everything and and always be fulfilling and satisfying that it can be really difficult, especially when we get caught up in comparison traps, comparing with what we think goes on behind closed doors in other people's homes. So one of the most common misconceptions about physical intimacy in committed relationships is that everyone is having more sex than we are. But the British National Survey of Sexual Attitudes and Lifestyles, which is uh, shortened as NATSAL, they show that on average, adults aged 16 to 74 years in the UK have sex about three times a month. However, 29% of people under 44 had no sex at all in the month prior to the survey. So if you have sex four times a week, or you haven't had sex for four years, that's okay, right? How often you have sex is not an important metric by which to measure your relationship satisfaction. Quality is more important than quantity when it comes to sexual intimacy and a lasting connection. And one partner often wants to have sex more often than the other. That is a difference in level of desire, and that is the norm, not the exception that we want sex to different amounts. So we need acceptance and compassionate communication around this discrepancy. It's not anyone's fault that they experience less desire than their partner, nor does it mean that they're broken or needing to be fixed. Natsal established that both men and women commonly experience a lack of sex interest. 34% of women and 15% of men, and that sexual differences affect as many as 51% of women and 42% of men in the age groups of 18 to 80. So if you are listening to this and experiencing sexual difficulties, seek out advice from your GP for a referral to a specialist psychosexual clinic because you don't need to suffer with this alone anymore. There is help to get. If lack of desire is this common as the stats I've just read out to you, and if sexual difficulties affects as many, then couples really need to get talking about sex. So why should we talk about sex with our partner? Well, if you know, have no particular interest in sex and it seems okay as it is between you and your partner, why would you make any effort to change that? Well, good sex, and by that I mean quality, not quantity, as in how you feel about it, not how often you have it, it is linked with short-term positive effects on your mood and long-term positive effects on your relationship satisfaction and stability. So according to Dr. Gurney's book, Mind the Gap, communication about sex is the strongest predictor of long-term sexual satisfaction in relationships. As in, how much we talk about sex has in bearing on how good we feel our sex life is. Much more than how often you have sex, or how often you climax or orgasm, or how much pleasure you take from sex, or liking the same things as your partner. So simply talking about sex is the most important factor in giving you a raw during sex life. Talking about sex is no different to talking about other important aspects of your life. Previously in the book, we've talked about making decisions around how to live and how to love based on your values. So you might just be out of practice about talking about sex. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never had these conversations because maybe sex worked well for you in the past and you just sort of gone with it and took it for granted. 
And then maybe you became parents and sex got a bit difficult. And now it may not be as satisfying. So it's better to be proactive rather than reactive, to bring up the subject of sex every so often, to just check in with your partner, how they're feeling about it, or to show appreciation about what you're liking about your sex life, rather than just bringing it up when it is a problem. All things worth having are worth working for. So you need to make some more concerted efforts to get your sex life back on track. So I would suggest that you use compassionate communication around any differences in preferences around sexual intimacy and then handle your incompatibilities with compassion. So you like different things or you don't want sex as often as your partner. That's an incompatibility that can be overbridged with compassion. And before we talk more about sex, let's think a bit more about desire. So desire is both a verb and a noun, which means to wish or long for, to crave, to want. So you can desire something, that's something you can do, but you can also be desired. If you don't feel desired by your partner anymore, you don't feel wanted or longed for. No wonder that so many couples feel upset about dwindling desire in their relationship, given that it can feel like a rejection to be turned down. To understand lack of desire in a compassionate way, we need to see which system is activated for you. Threat, drive, soothing, or a blend of all three. And I've talked about these three emotional systems before, which are coming from compassion-focused therapy. And there we think that desire is corresponding to the drive system. And desire can be split into two parts, pursuing and consuming. The first part, the pursuing, that's the motivation to pursue something rewarding and feeling really excited about it. You feel excitement, joy and lust when wanting to get close to your partner or when finding someone sexy and wanting to get with them. The second part is when you get what you desire, then really savour it and take pleasure from it, losing yourself in that moment. So kind of a mindful aspect to it. So how does that resonate with your relationship at the moment? Do you each feel motivated to pursue intimacy with one another? And when you have intimacy, do you enjoy it fully? Or do you get distracted by other things? So can you savour the moment? And often desire gets blocked by our threat system. You know, we can be acutely aware of our bodies when we're naked. It's a really vulnerable thing to take your clothes off in front of someone and be intimate with them. If you have negative thoughts and feelings showing up when you consider getting it on with your partner, maybe having negative thoughts about your body, maybe being very self-critical, that threat system activation, you getting stressed out by that, feeling negative, is going to block access to your drive system. So you no longer feel like making out or having sex, the mood has been lost. You may not even be consciously aware of it. It could just be that those self-critical thoughts or shame or stress in your life is just blocking you getting there. So here are some of the things that I commonly hear get couples into their threat zones when it comes to sexual intimacy. Body image issues, feeling flawed and unattractive. A pressure to perform and be perfect as a lover, or pressure to have an orgasm. A fear of being left, getting too close to someone or getting hurt, not feeling safe. Distraction, so thinking about the to-do list, about work, kids or life stresses. Shame, 
not allowing yourself to feel pleasure or for liking particular kinds of sex. Worry about children waking up or something going wrong in this sex act. Resentment, feeling angry or around other issues in the relationship that then makes their way into the bedroom. Pain, anticipating that sex will hurt and tensing up in that anticipation. And common thoughts blocking pleasure and desire are that I'm not good enough in bed, I'll mess it up. I'm not attractive enough, I'm ashamed of my body. I don't have time for this, I can't concentrate. I'm not feeling it, I'm feeling low and anxious. So the way you think and feel about yourself and the world around you has an impact on your physical sensations. If you're feeling nervous about sex, tension will build up in your body and will make it difficult to relax into the intimacy. For men, that might mean struggling to get or to keep an erection or being unable to have an orgasm or ejaculate. And for women, it might mean experiencing vaginal dryness, feeling turned off, feeling pain or not reaching an orgasm. Our bodies get blocked by what's going on in our heads. So how do you feel about yourself when you're having sex? What do you focus on? What gets you or your partner into the threat system? And do you struggle to be in the present moment with your partner? In the book, I go into this in greater detail and the shame we feel around sex and the expectations we might have based on media, films, messages we've been fed about sex and then the reality that is often a lot more raw and dirty than what we've been fed as an expectation. We never see anyone going to the toilet during a sexual act on TV. We see everyone going from 0 to 100 really, really quickly without any sort of build-up. And we see a lot of pressure to see sexual acts as consisting of penis in vagina. That intercourse is synonymous with sex. And that can be really difficult because a lot of women don't actually find themselves climaxing from intercourse. And they would need you know, clitoris stimulation instead. So I want you to think about whether you're putting on a show or enjoying the play. You know, are you very performative in your way of being sexually intimate? Thinking that this is how, you know, I must look good, I must do the right thing, make the right noises. Or are you losing yourself in the moment, enjoying the playfulness with it? That's really important to consider. Because if we don't feel safe enough to play around with things in the bedroom, it can be really difficult to relax. And that's where softening that self-criticism through self-compassion can help you sexually. You activate the soothing system, the calm and connection with your partner so you can feel safe enough to move to the drive system to play. What would your inner mentor say here? If you're having a chat with your inner mentor about your sexual blocks or the difficulties you experience in the bedroom, possibly that you're not alone in feeling shame about your body, or in having those sexual preferences, or having difficulties in bed. So soothe yourself using your compassionate inner team to find what action to take to alleviate this pain or to tolerate that difficult conversation with your partner. When you create a compassionate climate of being non-judgmental and accepting of each other and of yourselves, you can then explore your sexuality and broaden your repertoire. Because long-term connection with someone isn't always sexy. Let's be frank about it. Getting up at 2am to change a nappy, that's not sexy. Coming home really late, being burnt out from work, that's not sexy. There's a lot of things that aren't sexy. 
when you've been together for a long time. Seeing your partner sit on the sofa and pick their nose, that's not sexy. You know, there's a lot of things we get to see when we are fully comfortable with each other that can be a bit of a turn off. So in the book, I have a section where I want you to reflect and connect around what you've read about sexual intimacy and kind of understanding what blocks or promotes your desire for each of you. Using your values, thinking about how you want to show up in your relationship when it comes to expressing your desire. And then finally, I've put together a section on a buffet of intimate connection. Because we need to prevent the all or nothing trap of seeing sex as synonymous with intercourse and that anything else does not count as proper sex. We need to think about sexual intimacy as consisting of several different dishes on a buffet that you can choose from, having as much or as little of as you wish. Some days you have a bigger appetite than others. And some days you fancy something that you don't normally like to choose from the buffet. So discussing with your partner what kind of physical sexual intimacy you find exciting. And then I'll go through a way of learning how to engage in mindful, compassionate sex with your five senses fully engaged. So have a look at chapter 20 in the book to learn more about how to do that. How to really step into a mindful moment when you're being intimate in the bedroom. Because that can really help you savour and enjoy the pleasurable acts between you. If you enjoyed this episode and you think someone else needs to hear it, why don't you go on and share it? I know it's really tricky and cringy to talk about sex and listen to people talking about sex, but you know what? If you were anything like me growing up in the 80s, it wasn't talked about the way it's talked about today. So send this episode to someone. Help them get started on a conversation about sex with their partner. Their relationship satisfaction will be improved by it. And if you're listening here thinking that I'm trying to put pressure on you to have more sex, really listen to what I said again about how it's about quality, not about quantity. You can have sex once a year and that is absolutely amazing. Like Karen Gurney says, if that kind of blows your socks off, that is amazing for your relationship satisfaction too. That is way better than having, you know, sex three times a week and hating it. So it's not about the quantity. So stay tuned for another episode coming from the the book, The Lasting Connection. And if you want to work this through with your partner, keep in mind that I've created a bonus episode for the online course, The Compassionate Couple, which is focused around compassionate intimacy. So if you sign up to the course, you get that extra module as a bonus. Until I speak to you next time, do take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's gonna help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion 
about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. And you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media. <laughs>